our minister today is somebody that probably needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. It's, it's Maureen Leach. Uh, Maureen, nice to have you back with us. Thank you very much for standing in while Vary's off on a well-earned holiday. The intimations are mainly on the, the sheet. Um, the Jubilee celebration for the Queen's Platinum celebration, too many celebrations, but never mind, uh, are there, and you can put your response into the silver boxes at the doors. Uh, the duty rota, read it yourself and please volunteer. We definitely need people to, to help on the duty rotas. It's not an onerous situation to be on. The Boys Brigade, presentation of awards on the 20th of May. It would be good if there was a good attendance for that, please. The loop system, after some work by various people, uh, it now appears to be working. Uh, but if you do have any problems with it, see Stephen Clancy, who's the gentleman that sits up in the balcony and controls it all. This church calendar has been updated and is now on the website when you'll find all the dates of anything of interest. Uh, so if you have anything in your organisation that is coming up and you want publicised, please pass it on to Stephen Drennan. Over there, Stephen, Stephen will do it. There's a couple of intimations not on the, the sheet. The Connect Hub is on in the Outreach Centre this Tuesday starting at 1.30. And also there is now a display in the middle of the far wall in the big hall of memory sheets and photographs from the Civic Reception and the Ice Cream Sunday. There are some blank sheets, memory sheets beside the display, so if you have any happy memories to share from any church, not necessarily any that are associated with what is now this church, but any church, whatever, please feel free to, to write a sheet with your memory and put it back in the box, and it, uh, might, it will get put up later. Similarly, if you have any photographs to add to the display, just put them in the poly pocket and they will be added in due course. Now we come to the boring one and you'll understand why when I tell you it's headed health and safety. <laughs> a, a recent review of our health and safety policy threw up the situation that we need to tighten up on the recording of people who are in the building. Uh, and this is people who are in out with normal hours. It's not for people who are attending meetings and the, the usual stuff that goes on in the halls, group activities. Sheets have been placed at the side door here and the one on the Stroh Street, and will shortly be put into the outreach centre as well. And what we're trying to get are people who are in the building to do work or whatever, uh, usually during the day, because at night time there will be activities on. But it's a way of just sort of controlling, not controlling, but finding out who is in the building. And a bit of um, safety comes into it as well, because if somebody comes in and finds out that the person before them hasn't signed out after five hours, they think, oh, there might be something wrong there, they go and have a look. So that's it. If anybody who is in the building out with normal hours could please fill in these sheets, the only thing we ask is that you sign in and out on the same sheet so that it is apparent that uh, people are in and out and have left the building. Thank you very much. Over to Maureen. Good morning. That good morning is for both for people who are here in person and for those who are watching or listening online. I'm delighted to be here with you and very happy to be able to give Vary a Sunday off. I know she was off last week as well for a well-earned rest. It really is a well-earned rest. Jesus said, where two or three meet together in my name, I am there among you. So come and rejoice, for Jesus is with us. Come, let us worship together in his name. Our first hymn this morning is 198, Let Us Build a House.
let us take time now to come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we praise you for your love, which again and again simply overwhelms us. Just when we think we know who and what you are, you break the limits of our understanding. Just when we feel that we know what you will expect of us, you frighten us again with what seems like your impossible demands. But we know, Lord, that though your demands are high and holy, deep and demanding, you are the one who not only calls us, but also equips us to go and serve. But Lord, we admit that we need your help to live together in unity and love. Too often, our prejudices, fears, and our false pride create divisions among us and stop us loving one another as we should. We get upset by those whose beliefs differ from ours and forget the important thing, our shared faith in you. We get angry with those whose plans for the church differ from ours, and thus we forget to seek a shared vision. Lord, remind us that you have no favourites. We are all equally precious in your sight, and you made us to depend on one another. Teach us to respect one another, enjoy one another, and care for one another. Teach us to live as one body in you. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning, boys and girls. How are you all this morning? Quiet. Who have you got with you this morning? Who have you brought with you? My oh gosh, he's a big doggy. Has he got a name? No. Big doggy, well that's <laughs> like very What's your favourite fruit? Banana. Banana. Is that everybody's favourite? Orange. Orange. Kiwi. Kiwi. Oh, that's a good choice. That's very exotic, isn't it? Apple. But you know, I was hoping you somebody would say apple because I brought some apples with me. Because I wanted to talk about apples today and tell you something about them. Now I want you to look at, I've got three apples. I've got this one, and I've got this one. I'm going to just drop this on the floor so I've got another hand. And I've got this one. Now, what can you tell me about these apples? Yeah, one's a red apple. This one's called, the name's on it, helpfully. This is called a pink lady, this apple. And this one's called a gala apple. And this one, do you know what this one's called? A green apple, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely, it's a green apple. It's called a Granny Smith. Isn't that a funny name for an apple? You know, I never thought about that. Isn't that good? One's tiny, one's middling, and one's big. 
well done. You know, I hadn't spotted that. I knew about the colours, but I didn't think about the differences. Do you think they all taste the same? Yeah, yes, yes. No, 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 yes, yes, yes. Do you like... Okay, this one doesn't feel like that one or even taste like that one. That's true. Sometimes green ones have a kind of sour taste and sometimes these ones have a kind of... You could taste the apples. I've actually brought a knife with me. So the, but I'll tell you what, how about, I think it would be safer and make not such a mess of the chancel carpet, which I have a reputation for. <laughs> what if I just send the apples through with you when you go to Ice Cream Sunday? And maybe somebody could cut them up into enough bits so everyone could, could have a taste because I really don't trust myself to do that. And I did bring plastic gloves with me and a knife, but... You know, I, I think I'd rather just send them through. Is that okay with you? But you're right, they all do have slightly different tastes and you can explore that later on. But you know, when you cut these apples through there, when you cut these apples, what you're going to find is that they all look the same inside because they may be different on the outside, but they'll look the same on the inside. And you know, that's kind of like people. Not that I suggest for a minute that you go and cut up people to find <laughs> that. That wouldn't be a good idea. But we all look different on the outside. Some people have dark hair. Some people have light hair. Some people have no hair at all. <laughs> Some people have curly hair. Some people have straight hair. Some of us have blue eyes. Hands up if you've got blue eyes. Who's got blue eyes? Hands up if you've got brown eyes. Do you know? I've got blue eyes. Right. Anybody got green eyes? We can all, we can all be different from one another to look at. And that's great. It'd be a funny world if it all looked exactly the same. But inside, we are all the same. We've all got the same kind of insides. So it doesn't really matter what we look like on the outside. We're all the same inside. And if we were listening to that last hymn that we were singing, it told us that we're all precious. No matter what we look like, no matter what age we are, no matter whether we've got curly hair or straight hair, we're all precious because we are children of God. And, you know, you'll be away out at... Um, um, Ice Cream Sunday, I guess, when we're doing the Bible readings. But one of our Bible readings today is going to tell us that Jesus said that we have to love each other. So it doesn't matter what we look like. We have to love each other. We have to respect each other. And that's an important lesson, I think, in today's world. So, whoever you see Whoever you're friendly with or not friendly with, which is really difficult, Jesus tells us we have to love one another. So I want you to try really hard to remember that lesson because it is an important lesson. And we're going to sing a song that tells us that Jesus' hands were kind hands, doing good for everybody, and that we've got to try and do the same. It's number 351. Jesus' hands were kind hands. <clears throat>
Our first reading this morning is taken from Acts, Acts chapter 11, reading from verse 1 to 18. News came to the apostles and the members of the church in Judea that Gentiles too had accepted the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were of Jewish birth took issue with him. You have been visiting men who are uncircumcised, they said, and sitting at table with them. Peter began by laying before them the facts as they had happened. I was at prayer in the city of Joppa, he said, and while in a trance I had a vision. I saw something coming down that looked like a great sheet of sailcloth slung by the four corners and lowered from heaven till it reached me. I looked intently to make out what was in it and I saw four-footed beasts, wild animals, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, No, Lord, nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. A voice from heaven came a second time. It is not for you to call profane what God counts clean. This happened three times, and then they were all drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent sent to me from Kassira arrived at the house where I was staying and the spirit told me to go with them. My six companions here came with me and we went into the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said, send to Joppa for Simon Peter. He will speak words that will bring salvation to you and all your household. Hardly had I begun speaking when the Holy Spirit came upon them, just as upon us at the beginning. And I recalled what the Lord had said. John baptized, with, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God gave them no less a gift than he gave us when we became to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How could I stand in the Lord's way? When they heard this, their doubts were silenced. And they gave praise to God. This means, they said, that God has granted life-giving repentance to the Gentiles too. Our second reading is taken from John, John chapter 13, reading from verse 31 to 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and in him God is glorified. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him now. My children, I am to be with you for a little longer, then you will look for me. And as I told the Jews, I, I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So you are to love one another. If this love is among you, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Amen. And may God add his blessing to these readings from his holy word. We now continue our worship by singing together hymn 600, Spirit of God, Unseen as the Wind.
Let us pray. Lord our God, as we come now to hear your word, we pray that you will still our souls, open our ears, and that the Holy Spirit will come and direct our thinking. Be with us this day, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. That reading from Acts that Stephen read for us this morning takes us to a time after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. The disciples, now having to stand on their own two feet, as it were, are confronted with a difficult decision. In fact, it was more than a difficult decision. It was a critical turning point for them. And to understand it, we need to remember this fact. All the members of the early church were Jewish. And that's important. Remember, the Jewish faith took great strength from its sense of being exclusive, of being God's chosen people. They viewed themselves as being set apart as a holy people. Even those Jews who had embraced the Christian faith still clung to their belief that non-Jews or Gentiles were in some way unclean. And so they could not really belong to the body of Christ. You know, I wonder if there is still some of that thinking going about in the church today. Do we still think that there are people who don't really belong to the body of Christ? Some people who we really would not welcome into our church. I wonder. But let's go back to the disciples. Something was disturbing their equilibrium. There were rumors abounding that some Gentiles were indeed being accepted into the faith. And even worse, it was being suggested that Peter, Peter, the most influential of the apostles, even Peter himself was involved in allowing this to happen. So when Peter came to Jerusalem, he was subjected to severe questioning. There had been reports about him. He had not only entered into the house of uncircumcised Gentiles, but it had been reported that he had even eaten with them. Unthinkable. So they cried out to him, why? So Peter took time to explain it to them. He explained how he had seen a vision which urged him to do something that he would never have contemplated doing on his own. And that was, he had to eat animals that were considered to be unclean by Jews and that should never be eaten. He had protested at first, but the message from God came to him very clearly. If God makes something clean, then who are we to argue? He was then asked to go to the house of a certain man, Cornelius, and he addressed the household. And during that time, the Holy Spirit came upon the whole household. Peter recalled then that they had been told that although John baptized with water, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he concluded, if God gave them, that means Cornelius' household, the same spirit as he gave us, who was I that I should hinder God? And these are important words. Put another way, who are any of us to stand in God's way? These words are important for us because we 
who are of a non-Jewish background, wouldn't be in a church today without these words. What Peter had was a great understanding of God's will. He realized that God wanted his church to be open to all who wanted to be saved and not just to a select few. The church down through the ages hasn't always been a shining beacon as a beacon as an institution that opens its arms to all. Think of how it treated Galileo over his scientific discoveries. More up to date, it didn't exactly open itself to those promoting civil rights in the United States of America. And you could probably provide many more instances for yourself. The church as an institution does seem to have a fondness for the status quo. There is a fear of change in its corridors, which is interesting given that it's part of the Reformed Church Movement, and the Reformed Church Movement's motto is Semper Reformanda, always reforming itself. A church born out of the need for change seems to have allowed itself to be bogged down in the status quo. Not everyone in the church, of course, because the church has been at the forefront of many positive changes in society in the past. Whether these changes are likely to keep occurring, I don't know, but I do have faith that they will. But every change that was wrought had to face up to opposition. Over 200 years ago in Gloucester, a man named Robert Rakes started a movement which would have far-reaching effects on the moral and religious life of the Western world. He began the Sunday School movement. He selected four women who gathered together a group of children on Sundays to instruct them in reading and in church catechism. Now, you would imagine that that would be a move that was widely supported. But no, it wasn't. The established church resisted it. The ruling classes of the day, who had much influence in the church, feared it would lead to popular education, which would then lead to revolution. I don't think you've ever thought of the Sunday school as being a body that would start a revolution, but there you go. Then there was a group who held that Sunday was for worship and not for recreation or school. One Scottish preacher feared that Sunday schools would destroy family religion. Even changes that seem like an improvement have been opposed in the name of Christ. When the Salvation Army first started, it was attacked in the press by certain religious leaders. Can you imagine? A group which had no other reason for existence other than to help the down and out was being attacked by religious people. General Booth's son Bramwell showed him one of these articles. And General Booth replied, Bramwell, 50 years hence, it will matter very little indeed how these people treated us. It will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of God. And that is what matters. Not what people say or do to oppose you, but if you remain true to God. There's a story told of Abraham Lincoln in the midst of the Civil War in America. A pious minister said to him, I hope the Lord is on our side. And Lincoln replied, I'm not at all concerned about that, but it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. And how telling a comment is that? A comment that has lots of relevance to our own day and age. We too may hope 
that God is on our side in something. But do we ever wonder in actual fact whether we are doing what God wants of us? Our emphasis often is too much on self and not enough on God. Are we more concerned with whether God is on our side rather than if we are on God's side? Jesus was very aware of that propensity in humans to put themselves first. And that is why before his death, he encouraged his disciples to go on following his ways of love. He asked them to love one another just as he had loved the people. Now that makes an interesting goal to achieve. Not just to love others, not just to love your neighbours as you love yourself, but to love people in the same way as Jesus loved people. A sacrificial love. A love that is willing to give everything you possibly can. Let me give you an example of that kind of love. I'm sure many of you will have heard of Corrie Ten Boom, a Dutch Christian woman who did whose family and her did their best to rescue Jews during the persecution by the Nazis in the Second World War. Her whole family gave up their time and their effort to that saving purpose. Her grandfather had started a prayer group in Harlem near Amsterdam in 1844, which prayed for the salvation of the Jews. And amazingly, this prayer group lasted until 1944 when the Ten Boom family were sent to a concentration camp for helping the Jews. Corrie tells an interesting story about her father, Caspar. When Jews were forced to wear the Star of David, Caspar lined up with them, and although he was not Jewish, he wanted to identify with the people that he had always been praying for. He didn't have to wear it, but he wanted to. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus became human because he wanted to identify with the human race. And Jesus did indeed bring a new way of love. And it is that love that he asks us to show in our lives. He wants it to be made manifest in the life of believers. Listen again to what he said. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, dis are my disciples if you love one another. And that's directed to the church. Have absolutely no doubt about that. A singer-songwriter called Ken Medema wrote this about the church. If this is not the place where tears are understood, where can I go to cry? If this is not the place where my spirit can take wing, where can I go to fly? If this is not the place where my questions can be asked, where do I go to seek? If this is not the place where my feelings can be heard, where do I go to speak? If this is not the place where you accept me just as I am, where do I go to be free? If this is not the place where I can try and grow and love, where do I go to be just me? And these are great questions for any church, anywhere. Is this a safe place for people where they can be themselves without fear of judgment? Is this a place where people truly love and accept one another? Is this a place where we can accept people who are different to us? Sadly, sometimes the church 
is the last place where you would look for unconditional, sacrificial love towards each other. Sometimes it is not surprising that people out with the church question the credibility of our witness. I'm not saying that it is easy to love one another as Christ loves us. But it can be made easier if we stay close to Christ, if we learn his teachings, if we try to follow them. We need to be honest with ourselves and look at our own behaviours. Are we on God's side as he seeks to take his church forward? Or are we in his way because our behaviours do not conform to Christ? Let's practice loving one another as Christ loves us. And let's be willing to accept people and ideas that are different from ours. Because, believe you me, that is the way forward. That's the way of Christ. This week, as I'm sure you'll know, is the beginning of Christian Aid Week. An opportunity for people to put love into action. Will you give to help others? People you don't know, but people who really need our help. Christian aid aims to be love in action. Let us take this opportunity to show the world that we we indeed love others as Christ loved us. It's not difficult. It only needs small beginnings. Let's show the world out there that we are indeed disciples of our glorious risen Saviour. Amen. We're going to sing again. We're going to sing hymn 458, Son of God, Eternal Saviour.
the choir are now going to sing an anthem for us and I'm sure we're all looking forward to hearing the choir. been given another intimation which wasn't on the pew leaflet uh, and it is an important one it's from the social committee they want your money uh, they're having a table in the hall afterwards to collect money for tickets for the jubilee so get your wallets and your purses open please let's dedicate our offering Lord, from many different backgrounds, we bring your gifts, and you reject none of them. With these gifts of money, we offer ourselves and our talents to be used for your glory and spent in your service. Take them and bless them to the upbuilding of your kingdom here on earth. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And now we lead on to our prayers for others. Let us pray. Loving God, we come before you this morning to pray for our world, our church, our community, and our family and friends. We thank you for all that you have done for us, for your mercy and grace and the beauty and wonder of your creation. Eternal God, we pray for the nations of the world, but especially we pray for the people of Ukraine, for the families of those who have died and those who are injured, for those who have been displaced and for those who have had to seek refuge in other countries. We think on all who bring aid to that country. And we would pray for the authorities on all sides that a way may be found to bring peace. And Lord, we pray for our own country, 
that there may be a recognition of the need for compassion and care when politicians make decisions. Lord, as we enter into Christian Aid Week, we pray for a good response from the public, that they will be generous in their donations to help those in our world who struggle for the bare essentials to survive. We pray your blessings on all aid agencies trying to put your love into action. Faithful God, your son Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to live out that command every day and in every way we can. Lord, hear our individual prayers made now for those known personally to us who are in need of your love. Lord, may those named before you be aware of your presence with them and that your love is surrounding them. Merciful Father, hear these prayers made in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn today, and I'll get the number right this time, I've got my glasses on, is hymn 622, We Sing a Love that sets all people free.
to the world, take that love from here and take it to all whom you meet. Show them that you are indeed disciples of the risen Christ. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with each and every one of you on this day and forevermore. Amen.